Google is now removing the beta tag off Gmail. The Pirate Party is trying to start up in Canada. UK users trust online media commerce more than US users. A new method for computers to connect to the internet. And broadband and net neutrality issues. All of these will be covered on episode one of Cyber Means Pilot. A good start. Greetings all, my name is Shane Tilton and I'm a senior fellow from the Center for Society and Cyber Studies and I'm also an instructor of electronic media at Ohio University in Sainsville. What you're listening to right now is the first episode of Cyber Meets Pilot, which will be a 15-minute show dealing with the top tech, cyber, and internet stories and issues of the week. During the course of the show, we'll put up some context behind those stories so you can better understand what those issues can mean to you now and your future online. During the weeks and months to come, we hope to have some guests come on and discuss what technical issues and stories they feel are important, and hopefully we can attempt to clear up some of the static and make the noise more understandable and pull some information from the vast amount of resources that are available online. The first story we'll take a look at is how Google is now removing the beta tag off of Gmail, which is their email service, and the rest of the apps in their lineup, which includes Docs and Calendar. At first glance, it seems that Google is saying after five years in beta that all the problems have been worked out, and the system is ready to handle the onslaught of users. A spokesman for Google has defended the removal of the beta tag by saying, ever since we've launched the Google App Suite for business two years ago, it has had a service-level agreement, 24-7 support, and has met or exceeded all of the other standards of non-beta software. More than 1.75 million companies around the world run their businesses on Google Apps, including Google. We come to appreciate that the beta tag does not fit for large enterprises that aren't keen on running their businesses on software that sounds like it's still in the trial phase. So we focused our efforts on reaching our high bar for taking products out of beta, and all the applications in the app suite have now met that mark. The question that many have asked is, why now? Why has Google removed the beta tag from most of their popular services? It could be that they simply felt they were ready for prime time and could show off their services as a polished asset that represents a standard that Google hopes to set. However, some have discussed that this spells out Google will attempt to monetize their app system and attempt to sell more and more features to businesses that currently use the free version of Google's Apps for Business. It is important to look if and how Google will change its stance on free consumer products over the weeks and months to come, and if the company has changed its business model to draw more revenue from consumers and businesses as opposed to advertisers. Second, we'd like to look at the introduction of a new political party in Canada and how it could impact Canadian copyright laws. The Pirate Party of Canada, or PPOC, which has its roots in Sweden, is looking to find a footing in the Canadian Parliament. The Pirate Party earned a major victory in Sweden by getting enough votes to grab an electoral win for one or two European Union seats, depending on if certain treaties have passed. and has created several similar parties throughout the EU. 
the platform of the party is to loosen the restrictions that copyright holders have had on its materials and attempting to make the information free for anybody who wants to access it. The nonprofit right to share and copy music, movies, and virtually any mediated material is striking against the Canadian efforts to patch legislation like C-60, which attempted to regulate Canadian copyright laws and technological protection measures placed on digital media. The Pirate Party became an international focus earlier this year when the Pirate Bay, which is a site designed to help users find source sharing for all forms of media through a service called Peer-to-Peer Sharing, or P2P, was raided, and the site's founders were fined millions of dollars and sentenced to jail. The arrest and judgment against the Pirate Bay group led to the increase in membership in the Pirate Party and the increased interest in the Pirate Party political movement. The platform of this party includes fighting a series of copyright and intellectual property right bills designed to find people who upload music and also people who break copyright protections. The bills also include the ability to grant police warrantless access to private Internet communications and information about Internet subscribers, and also adding to the International Anti-Counterfeiting Trade Agreement, which are currently being negotiated by several countries, including Canada. And it could also allow border guards to search MP3 players, laptops, and other devices for unauthorized music, software, and other files. When the public challenges copyright laws in other countries, it calls into question how much protection is given to consumers in the United States with regards to fair use of copywritten material. Also, it really calls into question how much the creators of original materials are getting from these fines. Speaking of media online, the third story in our lineup shows how far online commerce has come. According to a new survey from Elman, the world's largest independent PR agency, Brits seem to be more trusting of Internet retailers than Americans when it comes to buying media and entertainment online. Elman carried out their trust in the entertainment industry research, revealing that UK adults aged 18 to 34 are more trusting in the entertainment industry than those from the US. Going on to state that the UK trust in its sector remains stable at 29% compared to last year, whereas the U.S. has seen a sharp decline by 15 points to 17%. With trust in the entertainment industry linked to an increased willingness to buy a company's products, the differences between the two countries is further highlighted by the consumer's purchasing habits. 66% of consumers in the U.K. said they are spending the same or more on digital entertainment compared to last year versus 56% in the United States. The highlight of the survey comes from the tail end of the survey when Edmund observed a notable trend in the continuing demise of broadcast television amongst younger entertainment consumers. Edmund's Jonathan Hargris, head of Edmund's European technological practice, put this down to the fact that the Internet has given the consumers an enormous choice fueling the trend from broadcast to narrowcast, particularly for this age group. What seems to be happening is that traditional forms of broadcast media, which includes newspapers, radio stations, and television stations, has gradually lost their audience, and new media, which includes podcasts and streaming media, is catching smaller and smaller niches of those audiences. Our fourth story deals with a new way that computers can communicate with each other. The International Space Station has become home to the first node of the interplanetary internet. 
The Delayed Tolerant Networking, or DNT, system uses a store-and-forward technique within the network in order to compensate for intermediate link connectivity. The current system that computers connect to the Internet on is a system called Transmission Control Protocol Internet Protocol, or TPC-IP. This system was designed for networks that connected via wires and would assume that there would always be a connection between both computers. The DNT, on the other hand, tackles such interruptions between of service by commanding each node in the network to store information until it can find another node that can retrieve it. All data should, therefore, only need to be sent once, progressively, and automatically working its way across the network. BioServe's Kevin Gifford says this system has already speeded up the transfer of data back to Earth about four times. The reason this could be huge in the future is that it sounds like this system could speed up service for people who are connecting to the Internet via satellites on Earth and could also make this type of system much more affordable to those living in areas where traditional broadband is hard, if not possible, to get. Which leads to our final story, which comes from CNET's Margaret Reardon. Net neutrality advocates got a boost of support Wednesday when the Obama administration released its grant guidelines for spending the government's $7.2 billion broadband stimulus package. Companies winning grants to help build new broadband infrastructure will have to follow the Federal Communication Commission's Internet Policy Statement, which prohibits companies from deliberately blocking or slowing Internet traffic on their networks. Proponents of that concept, net neutrality, have been pushing the government to pass laws or set stricter requirements to ensure that customers get access to content they want and competitors are not run out of business by network operators. The phone companies and cable operators have opposed such legislation, a sentiment that seemed to be shared by the Republican-controlled FCC under previous presidential administrations. But now the Democrats are in charge. Net neutrality advocates have been looking for indications of how the new FCC, led by recently sworn-in Chairman Julius Genchalsi, will handle the issue. It's still too early to know whether Democrats will push for new laws, but it's becoming more clear that protecting access on the Internet is an important issue to many. Consumers and advocacy groups such as Public Knowledge and Free Press applied the decision to make net neutrality a condition of the grants. The Obama administration released guidelines Wednesdays for companies and other groups applying for the first of three batches of grants that will be distributed to promote broadband as part of the economic stimulus package passed by Congress earlier this year. The first batch of funds is about $4 billion and represents more than half of the $7.2 billion that the government has allocated to fund broadband infrastructure investment over the next two years. About $4.7 billion of that money will be doled out by the National Telecommunications and Information Administration for grants to build broadband infrastructure in unserved and underserved areas and to further develop public safety as well stimulate demand for broadband. The remaining $2.5 billion will be allocated by the Department of Agriculture to provide loans to service providers building broadband infrastructure in rural areas. Other important aspects of the rules that came out this week include the government's definition of broadband. The rules for the grants define broadband transmission speeds to be no less than 768 kilobits per second downstream and at least 200 kilobits upstream to end users. These speeds hardly seem like broadband to most consumers used to the cable model systems and other high-speed Internet services like Verizon's Fios service. But the low-speed definition is to ensure that companies addressing rural markets that may only be able to be served by the slower DSL connections or wireless service can still receive grants. In an effort to promote higher-speed services, however, the government will give preference to companies planning on deliver high-speed services. The government also outlined what it means when referring to an underserved region. Areas where less than 50% of households have no access to broadband will be considered underserved and eligible for grants. 
And what this means is also is that we may have the capability of increasing our broadband saturation and hopefully be competing with your European Union countries. of Cyber Means Pilot, and we hope to continue this as a weekly podcast dealing with the important issues of cyber, internet, and technical issues. If you've enjoyed the materials you've listened to today, please check out our website at www.cyberstudies.org. And also, please check out our iTunes podcast under Cyber Means Pilot. Until next week, I've been your host, Shane Tilton. And I do wish you all a good day and to be safe out there online.